Right. If you've got a Bible, if you could open it up, Proverbs 18.21. And uh, I want to share with you today, I want to continue where we started last week. We were speaking about the creative power of the tongue. And I want to just pick up and remind you where we were last week, what we learned last week, and then I want to pick it up uh, again. I want to talk about shaping your world with the Word of God. Shaping your world with the Word of God. Still part of that same series, The Creative Power of the Tongue. Proverbs 18:21. death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Your tongue has power. With our tongue, we express our words. We express our ideas. We express our feelings. We express our fears. If there's bitterness in your heart, you'll express bitterness through your tongue. We express, if there's anger in your heart, you'll express anger through your tongue. If there's uh, doubt and limitation in your life, no doubt you'll speak that through your tongue as well. Your tongue has power to speak out over your life and around you into the environment and change it. And so we see, if you have a look at the, all of creation, the only one creature in all of creation that has the power to build civilization and culture are human beings. And the thing that distinguishes us and enables us to be able to do that is we have a spirit man, we're created in the image of God, and we can speak words that communicate in ways that the animal world cannot. We never came from the animal world, we came from God. We're a spirit being. And so last week we, t- we looked there about uh, uh, the situation, we talked about how God used words and how we talked about in the beginning in the Bible, the first ways that God used words, number one, he used words to create. So if we have a look at how creation took place, we saw the Spirit of God was moving and then God spoke words and words released something. There was something came from the spirit world and manifested in the natural world. Something that was existing in God's heart And in substance in the spirit world, manifested in the natural world. People that have had glimpses of heaven or been to heaven say there are some things which are like what it is on earth, but they're much more intense and full of life. So the things which are in the natural world in many areas are reflections of the unseen spirit world. But they came into being because God spoke. And we saw also that God used words to establish relationships. And we then talked about our responsibility to use our tongue to honor God and then to actually represent him. So I want to look now at the creative power, the creative power of God's words. So I want you to look with me in Jeremiah chapter 1. I want to just establish that because if you don't understand this, everything we do afterwards over these next weeks, you'll miss it because you haven't got to embrace this one thing, that God's word has power to change what you are seeing and living in and experiencing. God's word has the power to change it. But you've got to be able to be linked to that word and know what to do with that word. And I'm just going to be taking one aspect of that, which is particularly speaking and declaring the word of God. But there are other aspects, of course, we need to walk in obedience. I like what uh, uh, Bryden was sharing, how he began to speak over his life, and then he began to order his life according to what he was speaking and believing in his heart, and then externally everything changed. So firstly, I want you to see that consistently when God wants to change something in the natural world, he always gets someone to speak. He'll always get someone to speak something. Because words are the way the power of God is released from the spirit world into the natural world. 
They are, it's almost like God is waiting for someone to speak his word. When God wanted to prepare a generation for the coming of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, raised up a man, his name was John the Baptist, and said, the word of the Lord came to him. And he began to speak what God was saying, and he upheaved the whole nation. said, the whole nation came out to hear him, because something was in the words he spoke. And it's getting that, not just the word of God, but there's something in it we want. Okay, let's have a look in uh, Jeremiah uh, chapter 1. Now, I'm just going to read several verses. We'll, we'll pick it up at verse 5. <clears throat> the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Now, this is the word of God coming to Jeremiah. And he says, Behold, I formed you in the womb. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and set you apart to be a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Our Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. I'm but a youth. And the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm a youth, for you shall go to all I, whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. And then the Lord put forth his hand, and he touched my mouth. So he had an encounter, an experience with God. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I put my words in your mouth. See, or get the vision, or begin to picture this. I have this day set you over nations and over kingdoms to root out and pull down, to destroy and throw down, to build and to plant. And then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see the branch of an almond tree. And the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word, or I am watching over my word to make sure it comes to pass. How about that? So God had a purpose. Very clearly in here, we see that God had a purpose and a destiny for Jeremiah. God's plan for him was more than just having a relationship with God. God wanted Jeremiah to be a representative of him and to bring about some changes. So I want you to see what God says to him. Very, very clear. He says, see, he says, the Lord touched my mouth. He said, behold, I have put you, put my words in your mouth. So God had an assignment for him. The assignment that Jeremiah had was this. His assignment was to change the order in the known world. You think, how on earth could you do that? His nation had been defeated. The nation were in sin and about to be overrun by the Babylonians. Uh, the nation was about to be plundered and brought into captivity. All kinds of things were about to happen. And the, the world that they knew it was in turmoil. And in the middle of it, God said, I have ordained you, before you even, before this time even began, before any of this stuff happened, I already had someone I was preparing to go into it and to change it. And so he's saying, Jeremiah, before you were born, before your parents thought of you, I had already prepared for you to be my spokesman to go into this world situation and to begin to speak my words into it and I will watch over the words that I've given you and I'll make sure they come about. And when you read in the book of Jeremiah, you find he prophesied destinies over nations and every one of those destinies, destination was formed. If you have a look now, he began to speak that the nations which prospered, he said some of them will be so broken down there'll be no evidence left that they were there. And you start to look at the various nations he prophesied over or spoke God's word over, and every one of them, it was done to them exactly according to what God said through the prophet. In other words, he spoke God's word and began to declare how the world around him would become. And God 
worked with him and changed the world around him and it became exactly what Jeremiah had said. It's powerful stuff, isn't it? So, of course, what happens when we hear that is we, oh, that's Jeremiah, I'm only me. Now, won't you have a look at this? Because Jeremiah had the same issues we have. So Jeremiah, as an assignment, speak the word of God. So God has now got a basis. He's got a man on earth who agrees with him about how this will be. And now he's able to move and begin to create it. So God began to speak the overthrow of Jerusalem and what would happen to it. He prophesied through Jeremiah the destiny. He prophesied what would happen to the army, how it would take it over. He prophesied about what the people would do and how that would work out. He then prophesied about a restoration. And every one of those things historically happened. He literally shaped the known world by the power of speaking God's words. It's a powerful thing to recognize. You can shape your world by getting a hold or getting connected with God. And as He begins to put His words in your heart, you begin to get the Word of God in your heart and speak it out, you begin to shape the world around you. And I'll show you there's several areas that you need to shape. And then in later sessions, we'll share with you exactly how you go about the shaping process. Shaping the world around you by the Word of God. Very, very powerful. Notice this, what happens in there. Notice the impact of the Word of God. We see several things happen. Here, number, uh, the first thing you see is, he said, verse 10, See, I have set you over the nations and over kingdoms. So God positions them in a place of spiritual authority. And he defines what that area is. We'll come back to this a little later. So God has connected with Jeremiah. There's a relationship. He begins to explain what his destiny is. He explains what he's going to do. He's going to speak the words of God. And he says, now, I have positioned you. Now, where has he positioned you? In the spirit, he has positioned him over the kingdoms and the nations. So you see a natural king, you see natural armies, you see natural, well, you see all these things he said, but spiritually, I have positioned you over it. And when you speak these words, the natural will change. Now, it didn't all change straight away. He went through a lot of difficulties, a lot of hardships, but nevertheless, everything he prophesied came about. So in spite of what it looked like naturally, in spite of the fact at one stage he's in a dungeon and looks like he's going to die and be swallowed up in the mud at the bottom of a well, nevertheless, he came out. And nevertheless, everything he said worked out. Nevertheless, he got favor with the enemies. And in the end, he was, a, he, he was blessed. Everything he said came about. So we see here God position him. Now, you have to understand this. When you got born again and joined to Jesus Christ, you are positioned with him in a place of spiritual authority. And God wants you also to speak words from that place that will shape the world around you. Think about that. Now, either you're going to go in and act like a victim in the world, or you'll act like an ambassador of God and begin to shape the world around you. See, Jesus never came into the world with any expectations. The world do him some favors. He came in with an expectation as God's ambassador, he could change the world. Now, did he change all of the world? No, he didn't. He changed a group of people in one place at one time because that was his assignment. You also have an assignment. Only God can give you that assignment. And your assignment is to represent God and then to bring his words into that situation to shape it as God wants it to be. 
The problem is the church has thought that the church was the kingdom and has then become very church-centered instead of understanding God wants to invade the world. And he invades the world by working in you, making you join to him, giving you a position of authority in the spirit which grows as you walk with him, and then beginning to get you to speak his words and begin to release his life into wherever you are. What an exciting thing to do. Okay, then, let's just move on. Now, so you notice what he's called to do with the words of God, just so you understand. He said, uh, see, what you're going to do is root out and pull down, destroy and throw down, build and plant. So notice he's got two things to do. The first lot of things have to do with rooting out things which are established. In other words, he says, the words that I give you, one of the first functions they have is to root out embedded spiritual powers, to root them out, dismantle them, and stop them operating. See? So the first use of those words that God gives them is to confront demonic powers which are creating situations in the world that are not according to the will of God. Second thing is that you'll speak words that will build and plant. And so when God draws you into relationship with Christ, He positions you as an ambassador. Now, if you can get the Word of God in your heart and learn what to do and how to speak it, then you will do these things. You will begin to root out demon spirits. You'll root out things which are contrary to what God wants. You begin to sow in and plant in, and then you begin to see things around you change. Bryden just gave a a testimony today. I can't wait till next week to hear the second part. That he got, uh, his boss gave him an assessment of his current physical situation. And instead of accepting that diagnosis, he stood up, got a word from God, a rhema from God, began to declare it over the workplace, declare it over his life, and then applied himself to fulfill it, and then it all changed. This year he was recognized as the top organic farmer in the district. Now, what changed it? A word from heaven. A word from heaven. Well, it's all right if it happened with Jeremiah, but it happened with someone here sitting next to you. And if it happened for him, it can happen for you too. The question is whether you will do what Jeremiah did and respond to what God says. So let's have a look how Jeremiah responded. And this is what Jeremiah said, verse 6. No, I can't do it. I'm just a little youth. And that would be the response of the majority of Christians when they begin to hear what God called them to do. When you get a a grasp of what God has called you to do in your own sphere of influence in the community, you begin to see that God has planted you there to bring a difference. You go, I can't do it. I'm too young. I'm just a new Christian. I'm going to learn. You know what God says? Yeah, made him stop. Stop talking that way. This is what God made him do first. First... He had to have a change inside him. Then he could change what was outside him. And so what he was saying, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's too big. It's too hard. You're not fair asking me to do these things. He had to change inside. So he needed a change in his internal world before he got a change in his external world. But you see the same thing that would change his external world, would change his internal world, a word from God. God said, 
just cut out that negative kind of talk, that limiting talk that actually causes you to minimize what you could do. It causes your potential to be locked up. It causes my plan to be frustrated. Stop talking that negative stuff. You're stopping me working in you. That's what he's saying to him. And he's saying the same to us today. Two years ago, we had a prophet come. He said, negative words are limiting what you can do. Change. We've been speaking, done a series on negative words. I hope you took a note of it. That was God speaking to us the second time. Aha. And now he's going to say how to get into the flow. See, so Jeremiah had to make sense. Now, notice what happened. You st- stop making excuses. Embrace what called you, God called you to do. Just stop making the excuses. Stop excusing yourself that you can't. If God says you can, you can. If God says you can, you can. Stop making excuses. Second thing, stop speaking negatively. We've already been through that. Stop speaking negatively or speaking limitations around your life. Some people, the reason they're staying where they are and have stayed where they are all this year is because they keep speaking limitation. Because limitation is in the heart. You have to change your inner world. See? Don't be ruled by fear. See, notice what? He was afraid. The Lord said, to, he said this to him, verse 8, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Get faith in your heart, not fear. Don't, get, don't, don't approach 2008 afraid to step out. Approach 2008 I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to step out. There's new things God has for me. See, approach it with that kind of attitude. Approach it with that kind of way. eh? See, connect with God. Connect with God. Relationships. In verse 9, the Lord touched me. So we need to connect with God. If you have no connection with God, then God can't put his words inside you. And it's his words inside you that will change your world. So personal relationship, personal connection, personal intimacy, the touch of God. Oh, the touch of God. How I keep needing the touch of God. See, because with the touch of God, then comes the words of God. That's why we worship. That's why we engage God. Because we want to prepare ourselves so we can hear the words of God. You know, the Bible tells, enter His presence with gratitude and praise. And then we're going to worship Him and then listen for His voice. And we can be hearing His voice. And what God's saying to you will set what could happen in your life for years to come. So we need to do that. Your life can change. It doesn't have to stay the same. It doesn't have to stay the same. See? So embrace and agree with what God says. You're going to begin to speak that out. Expect him to do it. Expect him to do it. Notice what God says. The things, Jeremiah said, the things that I'm going to put into your mouth, he said, I'll watch over them to make them happen. You don't have to worry about whether they happen or not. Your job's to speak them. I'll figure out how they'll happen. See? Think about that. Think about that. Now, this is Jeremiah. Now, of course, what mentally we do is in our heart, what we mentally do is we look, oh, that's Jeremiah, you know, you know, Jeremiah, he's a big man of God, you know. Now, Jeremiah was a young boy. He was a teenager, probably, in the day he lived, and God encountered him, touched him, and told him what his destiny was, and then he changed a nation. What could you do here? You're in the presence of God. God's speaking and touching life. All you've got to do is open your heart to hear what he wants you to change next year. Let's have a look at another example, say. Notice that everything Jeremiah spoke, look, let's have a look in Luke chapter 1. Everything he spoke came about. He changed his known world by the word of God. How about that? I can see you. I, it, the thing is, because we're so set on natural things, it just takes a little time for us to get a hold of this. Because we tend, in a secular uh, Western world, we tend to think 
that words don't really have much effect because we've never learned how to use words. I want to show you in these next few weeks how to use the Word of God to shift things firstly around your own life, then around what's around you. Look at Luke chapter 1 and the verse 35 through to verse 38. And the angel Lord came to Mary and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the highest will overshadow you, and the Holy One that's born of you shall be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month of her who was called barren. Notice this, someone else was called barren, and yet she had a child. For with God nothing shall be, or nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Now, firstly, we want to look in verse 37. The angel makes a statement, for with God, nothing shall be impossible, or nothing shall be impossible with God. Another way of interpreting that, it comes out in the American Standard Version, is this. No word spoken by God lacks power to bring its accomplishment. Okay? No word spoken by God lacks the power to bring about its accomplishment. So whenever God says something, there is power. Now, that word, that, the, the word word is a rhema, a word spoken forth or a word declared. So when God says something, then it has power to be able to change or to do what it's supposed to do, provided it meets someone who believes. The thing that unlocks the power of the word of God is faith. I must believe what he said. I need to, in my heart, Hold on to it. With the heart my mouth believes and my tongue confesses to salvation, it says in Romans 10. In other words, I must believe what God says and then begin to speak it and live on it as though it's true and then its power is released. So the Word of God is like a seed. It can be released, but the thing that releases it is our faith. We must be linked to it. Now notice what her response was. Behold, let it be done to me according to your word. So she came into full agreement with what God said, spoke it forth, and her world and our world changed. Listen, I've just taken a couple of examples, but you could go through the Bible and you find everywhere when God wanted to change something, he needed a person that he could speak to that would take his words, believe his words, speak his words, act on his words, and change their world. And he's never stopped. He's still looking for it. You see, this is the problem when people are thinking or have a revival mentality where we're thinking and waiting for God to do some great thing. He wants you to arise now and dare to believe that now, today, you can begin to make a difference. You get the Word of God in your heart and you begin to arise and hold that Word, speak that Word, act on that Word so things around you can change. When I first came here uh, to Hastings, uh, people came to me. You know what they said to me? Oh, you'll never last more than six months. Is that so? It's been the longest six months of my life. But I was sent by God. I had a word from God. I had a clear word from God. And every day I would take that word, hold that word, and, God, and, 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 and believe that God would fulfill that word. And he did. Shook everything up. Shook everything up. It literally shook everything up. Everything that was around us got you. So, what is shaping your world? Is it the Word of God? Are you consciously shaping your world with the Word of God? Or 
Have you given in and become into agreement with negative circumstances, disappointments, actually have come into agreement with wicked spirits that fill you with despair, it can't change. What have you come into agreement with? Think about that. If you have despair that you can change in any area of your life, you've come into agreement with the words of wicked spirits. What will shift you is when you decide to disagree with those words, break their power, and begin to listen to what God says, hold what God says, speak what God says, meditate what God says, you will see everything around your world change. Many people are waiting for another revival, or they're waiting for someone to lay hands on them, or waiting for some counselor. God is waiting for you to dare to believe, because no word from God is without power to bring about its own accomplishment. So when God gives you something, you can understand this. He's watching over that word to make sure it takes place. All you've got to do in your part is to hold the word. Hold that word. Because when you start to hold God's word, everything around you looks like it's got worse. The moment God gives you a word, it's almost like straight away everything gets worse. And the, the point of it is, and the Bible predicts it, it says, the moment the sower sows the word, the devil will come and say, I don't believe all that stuff. He said, then afterwards, he said, uh, he said then, then there'll come a bit of heat and pressure and tribulation, and if you haven't got the word in you, have got to root it down your heart, then it'll pretty soon wither up too. Then there'll come a lot of distractions, and, and that'll choke it all out too. But he says, but if you can just hold the word in your heart and keep your life focused on its fulfillment, then you'll see it. You'll see it. Come on. You'll see it. See, you'll see it. So what's shaping your world? What is shaping your world? What do you come into agreement with? I want you to look with me in Hebrews chapter 11, and I want to talk to you about shaping your world by the Word of God. So we're just getting into it now, and I want to share with you four areas, uh, three areas you can shape. Three, four, four areas you can shape. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Okay, Hebrews 11 and verse 3. It says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed, or the ages, or the world was framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith we understand the worlds were framed by the Word of God. The word frame means to thoroughly complete, put together, assemble, construct something. So by faith we understand that God constructed the visible world by faith, the operation of faith. And it tells us that it was the Word of God being spoken forth that brought about that construction. And so we see then that God framed or made the Word. That word, Word there, the Word of God, is a rhema, a spoken utterance, a declaration. So it says, we understand then how God created everything. It was done by moving in the realm of faith, the realm of the supernatural, where the word he spoke, he never doubted it would come about. The power was released, it came about. So we understand then the world that we see, or what we see around us was framed, formed, or put together, or constructed by God's word. Okay then, now, how much of your world has been constructed by God's word? Oh, well, I love Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. But how much of your lifestyle and your world has been constructed in harmony with God's words? Are your finances constructed around what God has to say? 
Is your marriage constructed around what God has to say? Are your relationships constructed around what God has to say? What have you consciously built by referring to God? See, what the majority of Christians do is, well, I come to church, you know, once a week, maybe twice, if I go to a small group, and, you know, I love Jesus, and that's it. But they don't seem to move and understand you're an ambassador called to shape your world with God's words. That's what we're called to do, to shape the world around us. And so, so we need to consider that. And there's always three factors take place. There's always three factors in it. Number one, the Holy Spirit. We have to have the power of the Holy Spirit operating around our life. Without the Spirit of God, nothing happens. So you can, you can teach a parrot to say the Word of God, but it doesn't make any difference to the parrot, and it doesn't make any difference to anything around him except tick everyone off. See? But, but you see, when the Spirit of God is moving and a human being, a spirit being, has the Word of God in their heart and they speak it, then things begin to happen. That's how people get healed. Someone with faith in their heart and the Holy Ghost moving over that person. They speak the Word of God and the person gets healed. And a miracle takes place. It's how Jesus did all His miracles. You find always, with all of Jesus' miracles, the Spirit of God was present and operative and He was connected to the Spirit of God. There was faith in the heart and there was a Word of God spoken. That's how it happens every time. You have a look at all the miracles and you find the Spirit of God was there, the anointing of God was there, present, the Word of God was spoken, there was faith and expectation, and it released the power of God. Now, nothing has changed. That's how power is released. So I've got to learn, well, how can I build my faith? How can I learn how to go about doing this? All right, then. So let's look at those areas now. Now, you understand, in Ephesians 5.1, it says, we're to be imitators of God. So if God shaped things by speaking the Word, we've got to shape things by speaking the Word too. We've got to learn to shape things by speaking the Word speaking God's Word over our life, over our circumstances. Now, there are, there are four areas. I'll, I've broken up into two, into two things. Firstly, shape your inner world. The first thing to shape is your inner world. Then, shape your outer world. Shape your inner world, then shape your outer world. That word shape, or it means literally to form it, to bring it together, construct your inner world with the Word of God. Construct your inner world, meaning constructing your thoughts, constructing your ideas, your dreams, desires, your, your, the way you approach life with the Word of God. If God says uh, in His Word that you can do all things that He calls you to do, you can do all things. But you see, a negative mindset, a negative frame of thinking will cause you to think, I can't, I can't, I've never done that before, I can't do that. See, in other words, the prevailing or ruling thought is something quite different. And until you reconstruct your inner world with the Word of God, nothing outside you changes. In Proverbs 23, 7, I think it says, uh, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So I have to, and we're going to show you how to do this, how to begin to construct your inner world with the Word of God. Because if we don't do that, we don't have really much to offer people. If you haven't built something on the inside, then you haven't actually really being able to develop inside you what you need to be an answer to a dying world. We need more than just come to Jesus and she'll be right. We need to come to Jesus, and the Bible tells us God's plan, we grow to become more like Him. In other words, our internal world of values and attitudes and thoughts begins to change. So God wants us to change on the inside. Let me give you an example of it, in, uh, of, of shaping your inner world in uh, and one, it's interesting, the first thing that happened when the Holy Ghost came on people, 
The first thing that happened was they began to speak in. And the Bible tells you what the purpose of speaking in tongues is for. It's to build up your spirit man. Isn't that amazing? So the first expression after they got filled with the Holy Ghost was to build themselves up on the inside. Isn't that amazing? Okay, let me give you another scripture related to that. In 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6, uh, David was in a very, very difficult time, and it says David strengthened himself in the Lord. Strengthen is a tremendous book out by Bill Johnson, Strengthening Yourself in the Lord. I couldn't over-recommend that book. That is a wonderful book on how to strengthen yourself in your inner life in the Lord. The keys to strengthening yourself. So very clearly, uh, what David did when he was facing a catastrophe, the lowest point in his life, when it looked like he'd lost everything. It looked like he was in the valley of all valleys. You know, he'd lost his wife, he lost his children, lost his money, lost his house. I mean, he had a financial collapse. He had a major collapse. And then he'd lost the confidence of his men, and they were now talking about killing him. And, on, and, and he was in a foreign land, and he was hunted by the king. It was a mess. And yet in the middle of it, the Bible says, he strengthened himself. He did things that did something in his inner man. And then he got a word that changed his world. Say, pursue, overtake, and you'll recover all. And he not only got back what he lost, he got back a heap more. Now you understand what he could have done was he could have thought like this. I got to get out of here. They're going to kill me. It's all over. Where can I go? He said, no, I've got nowhere to go except to God. And he knew how to go to God and strengthen himself in a place of pressure. And a lot of people when under pressure, first place they run is to a bottle. Uh, some run to a, something to smoke. Some run down uh, to some other place. Some run to a counselor. But what you should run, run to the Lord. And you don't just run to the Lord in a pressure time. Run to the Lord daily. Run into his presence and learn how to shape your inner world. Now, because there's quite a bit involved in shaping your inner world, I'll save that for a separate session just on some of the keys, how to shift your inward world. But so, so the first place to shift is your inner world. You shift your inner world, everything around you will start to change as well. The interesting, thing, I was listening just in, as Bryden was talking there. The first thing he did was to get a word from God. He had a word from a man, but he got a word from God. I like that. And it was a beautiful word, wasn't it, eh? The hand of the diligent shall be rich or something like that. No, it was good, eh? But it wasn't just a scripture. It was a personal rhema from God. And it carried with it power to bring a change in his external circumstances. But he had to believe it, confess it, and then align his life. So you notice it's all internal. It had to be an internal shifting before there was external. It's always the same. Shift internal. Shift inside. Shift your perspective. Shift your values. Shift your ways of thinking. Begin to bring your inner world into order according to God's word. Everything changes. And so I'll share with you some things on that. Uh, the whole issue of how when you speak, you literally alter the neural pathways in your brain and you set everything going differently. You see, but it's but this is in the Bible, you know, just confess, confess the Word of God. Here's the second thing you need to change, is you need to shape the outer world. And there are three areas of the outer world to shape. I'll brief, I'm just going to briefly give them. I'm not going to go into how to shape them because I want to actually focus on each one because if I just, if I rush it through, I don't think anyone will change what they're doing in their outer world. So I want to actually just take time to develop each one of these so we're looking at the how to shift our inner world and how to shift our outer world. 
that okay? Is that good? Okay, because we're going into a new year. It's going to be, and the Lord said, sanctify yourselves because tomorrow I want to work miracles among you. We're going to drink things among you. And that's the word we had about a month ago. And so that sanctify yourself means to set yourself apart and become more focused upon what God wants for your life and begin to align your life according to God's words. That's all, in, it, it's all the change on the inner man. He said, because I want to do things outside you. So we want the things outside. Oh, give me a miracle. Give me a change. Give me a breakthrough. Give me this. Give me that. Now listen, change on the inside. Then you'll start to see the things change on the outside. Internal shifts first. Okay, then don't just rearrange the furniture on the Titanic. It'll still go down. Okay, so <laughs> don't just shift a couple of little things. Change it on the inside. Patch the cracks. Or take the word of God and break your agreements with demons and break your agreements with negativity and break the agreements you have with limiting mindsets and begin to let God's word be over your life. Oh, yeah, that'll shift you. That'll be a change, won't it? No, okay, here's the three other areas that uh, on the outer world to shift. Uh, and not just in order of importance, but all of them are needed. And I think it's in this sequence. Uh, number one. Things to shape in your outer world. Number world is to shape your spiritual atmosphere. I'll explain that a little bit more fully in another session. But one area that we need to shape is the spiritual atmosphere around us. Because miracles always work when we're living and abiding and flowing in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So if you're living under depression or living with negative atmosphere or the people around you are overwhelming you with negative atmosphere, you've got to do something about that. You have to shift the prevailing spiritual atmosphere. If you shift that first, again, you'll start to see. Shift the invisible before you see the visible change. Okay? You've got to shift. The, there's a priority in this. So first we shifted what's invisible, what's inside us, so what's outside us can change. Then if you want to change what's outside, first shift the spirit world. It's not very hard to do it. Real easy once you know what to do. I'll show, show you what to do in, in coming days. So, so shift your spiritual atmosphere. You can shape your spiritual atmosphere. Very, very, the Bible tells you how to do it. Very, very simple. You, know, you, you, you can either listen and meditate and dwell on negative things, or you can begin to develop a life of praise and gratitude and thankfulness. and positive. You just begin to do that. See, the Bible says God will inhabit the praises of his people. This is, so this is how David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make a boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. He's got a good spiritual atmosphere around him, hasn't he? See? That he built a spiritual atmosphere. Your spiritual atmosphere is created by what's in your heart finding expression outside you. Now, I know what's outside you devil's outside, he wants to depress you, make you flat, wants to make you boring, wants to make you depressed, wants to make you passive. God inside is saying, who's it lying in here? Let me out. See? That's why, you know, and, and I can see it on the, and when it comes to worship time. Some people haven't understand. You've got to use your voice. You've got to use your voice. How to use your voice. Bible says, even God says, come to me with words. You've got to actually have words. Oh, I just, oh. No, 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 nothing like that. No, we need to come to him with words. Here's the second thing is shape your relationships. Your, uh, your words, can, uh, your relationship can be shaped by declaring the word of God over them and then speaking into them. So you shape it two ways. One, you begin to, first of all, speak it over it. You begin to make declarations. A declaration, a statement about what is. Strong declarations, okay? You begin to declare God's promises, God's word over your marriage, over your family, over your relationships. 
And what it does is it begins to create the atmosphere within which those relationships change. Then you've got to learn to speak into the relationships. So first speak over them, then speak into them. And you find the biggest problem in relationships is people are either not speaking or they sound the wrong things. And all you've got to do to change it is begin to start to speak over them differently so you begin to shape the atmosphere over the relationships and then speak into them. Speak words that bless, words that build, words that encourage, words that lift up, words that impart value, words that impart destiny, words that put boundaries, words that confront. You've got to, you've got to speak into it as well as speaking over it. First place, again, as you see, is to speak over it. And finally, uh, the last place you need to speak into is your metron or your sphere of responsibility. Your metron or sphere of responsibility. Whatever God has given you as your area of responsibility, that's the area you've got to shape with the Word of God. See? So if you, if you are the boss of a work or have it run a business, then we need to learn to shape the business, not just with business principles, but by getting the Word of God and speaking God's Word over that business and beginning to allow my heart to dwell on what God says about my business. And then aligning the business according to how God wants me to run it. And it may be different to how I'm currently running it. And then the difficulty will be, will I be in agreement with my ideas or will I agree with God's ideas on how to make it work? It's quite a challenge, isn't it, eh? And for many people, if money rules you, you'll be afraid to let God's word have the directive into, your, into shaping your business. You'll let the money shape the business. Now, let's better, better unpack that just a little. We can't serve God and money, see? Can't serve God and mammon. So we're either serving one or the other. Now, God doesn't say money's evil. You need money. Money's need to make anything happen. But the love of it and being ruled by it is the issue. See? So he says you can't serve God and mammon. So mammon is a spirit. God is a spirit. Mammon, there's a spirit called mammon that rules, controls, and works through money. And you, you've, got to, you've got to decide whether you're going to be under the dominion of the Lord in this area. Now, he doesn't take your money away from you. He wants you actually to be blessed and grow. But he wants you to become a channel of blessing. But you've got to actually break free of the things that rule people. And so we want to shape our world with the Word of God. Oh, getting exciting now. Next, I want to speak a little bit on that area because an awful lot of people are ruled by credit card and ruled by debt. They actually can't serve God because they're serving debt. See? And if you're serving debt and can't serve God, you need to make next year the chance. Get out of that thing. Shape your world according to the Word of God. We had one couple come into the church uh, this year, and they were in debt for a range of reasons. They got their life right with God, and the miraculously... God was able to arrange the whole debt was cancelled. The whole thing was able to pay it off. They got the money, paid the whole thing off. Now, when they came in this at the beginning of this year, it was it, they came in as a result of the concert we did in the park. They came in, and then what happened was God was able to intervene in their life and totally shift their financial circumstance because they ordered the inner world, and then their outer world began to come into alignment. See that it's everyone wants to see something happen, but you've got to shift on the inside first. We're getting the idea. Getting the idea? So change your outer world. Now, I'll just give you one last thing on that one, your realm of responsibility. Have a look at this. In uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, Dave referred to this the other Sunday. It was just great. 1 Samuel chapter 17, now here's ruling your outer world. And it says here in 1 Samuel chapter 17, it says, uh, if we pick it up here in verse uh, 41, verse 42, the Philistine, that's Goliath, looked at David and he despised him because he was just... A youth, yes, a little boy. He's a hardened battle warrior. 
And he says, am I a dog? You come to me with sticks. And he cursed him by his gods. Now, what you understand is he's releasing a spirit of intimidation upon David. He's releasing cursings upon him. He's attacking him. And this is the way the devil tries to deal with us in terms of life. He, he tries to accuse us, put us down, make you feel little, remind you of your failures. But David did this. He stood up and he spoke the word of God. And he began to declare how the battle would work out. He said, today, I'll lay you out fully on the ground and I'll take your head off and the birds of the air will eat you. I like, that's good talk. That's fairly positive affirmation about how the battle will go. Now, you've got to realize he's, he's actually speaking prophetically. He's not speaking because he's hyped up and he's really excited with youthful enthusiasm. There's much, much more to him than that. He's got a proven track record of battles won depending on the Lord. Long before he met Goliath, he met a heap of other things as well, including a lion and a bear. And you see, he said, the Lord who helped me there is going to help me here. You see, there was an anointing on his life, and he was able, and he knew, see, that the, the, this enemy comes at him, cursing him, putting him down, trying to intimidate him. Now, you've got to understand this. This is a battle-hardened man, and he's got demons operating around him, and he's intimidated a whole army including Saul, who was the champion. He was actually head and shoulders above everyone. He should have been able to take him on. But even he's intimidated. You see, there's a spiritual atmosphere has been released that's intimidated everyone, shut everyone down, and in the middle of it, a young boy rises up who's got something in his inner world. See, the problem, the others had nothing in their inner world. Saul was defeated. He had no presence over his life. He had no anointing. There's no faith. He was defeated. He never walked in the Word of God. He actually reacted to the Word of God. And now here's a young boy turns up, and here he is, 17 years old, and he says, listen, you come against me with a shield and a spear. I come against you in the name of the Lord God of Israel, whose armies you have defied. And this is how the battle is going to go today. I will lay you out on the ground. I'll use your sword and take off your head. And then the birds will eat you. And then the rest of your army will put to flight. That's how it's going to be. But you understand, he has already formed and built his inner world. When they said, you can't do that, he said, listen, i got a proven track record. I'll do it. You watch me. And it says, he ran to the giant. Zonk. And Goliath got the biggest headache he's ever had in his whole life. And while he's lying on the ground complaining about that migraine, he lost his head completely. See, now you ought to think about this. See, David first shaped his inner world, then shaped his outer world. And every one of those things, shaping your inner world, shaping your relationships, shaping your spiritual atmosphere, shaping the world around you, David did all of those things. He was actually a man of the Spirit and Word of God. And he's an example you and I can follow. Father, we just thank you for what you're teaching us about the need to frame our world by the Word of God, just as you framed the natural world. You want us to frame the world that we live in as your representatives. 
Lord, firstly, you want us to frame and shape the world within our heart and life and inner man, thoughts, dreams, desires, passions, the way we think, our perspective. And Lord, you want us to shape what's around us. You want us to shape the world around us, the spiritual atmosphere. So instead of depression and heaviness, the Spirit of God is there to bring hope and help and life. Lord, you want us to shape the environment, the relationships around us. You want us to shape the environment. I'm asking, Lord, over these next weeks, a spirit of faith will begin to arise among every believer here. A spirit of faith, an ability to believe that the Word of God, embraced in the heart and spoken with the mouth and acted on in the life, will release change into lives in 2008. Lord, we thank you that in every generation, you've had men and women who dared to believe. 